Good morning, everyone. Parshas Vayetze. So, this is such an important number. Well, they're all important parshas, but this is the this is the parsha where um, really the birth of Klal Yisrael happens. Yaakov gets married, and we have the birth of eleven out of twelve tribes, twelve Shvatim. So, just as an overview first of the parsha, so we have, of course, Yaakov is running away from his parents' home, Be'er Shavah, running away from Esav, who wants to kill him. Um, he comes to the well. Um, here we are, Millie. Up to you. Um, he comes to. He comes to. He comes to the well, where he meets Rachel. He wants to marry Rachel. Works for seven years for Rachel. Lavan gives him Leah instead. He works another seven years. He marries first uh, Leah and Rachel, and he works another seven years. During that time, three, um, so many, like 11 of the Shvatim are born. He, another six years after that, altogether he works for Lavan for 20 years. And he needs to leave. It's, it's clashing him and Lavan. He leaves eventually. Lavan pursues him. They meet up. They make a pact between them not to harm each other. And Yaakov arrives back in Israel. But we're going to focus on the first part of the Pasha which I'm going to share in the screen in just a moment, but just let's set the, set, set the scene here. The set the scene is that we've spoken many, many times, right? That whatever happens to the forefathers was just a pre-runner of what was going to happen to the children, as the Ramban explains, and as we've explained a number of times, it actually means something very deep. It doesn't just mean that it was like an indication of what was going to happen to the children, to the descendants, but in fact it was creating the experience of the future. It wasn't just telling the future, it's actually creating the future. In other words, the journey that Klal Yisrael was going to take later on um, was created by and infused, given strength by, the events that happen to the patriarchs and matriarchs. And I think this is... Perhaps one could suggest that it's true with all the patriarchs and matriarchs, but it's particularly true, maybe, particularly relevant with Yaakov, as after, after all, Yaakov, who is also known as Israel, we are called, we, he's the father of the Jewish nation. I mean, Avram Yitzchak Yaakov, but Yaakov is, gives birth to the 12 tribes, we all come from the 12 tribes, and of course we are called Bnei Yisrael, that's, that's our, right? That's our name, we are called Bnei Yisrael because we are sons of Yaakov, whose name was also Yisrael. So, in general, this plays out a lot during this week's Pasha. Right. I'm just going to share the screen. Give me one second here. So we can see it properly for those on Zoom. One second. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to drop in here. Oh, sorry. No, no, that wasn't good. Give me one second. Sorry, sorry. Just one second. Okay. So here we are. Vayetze, so the first Pasuk says, this in, in, in number one, Vayetze Yaakov mi Be'er Sheva, Yaakov left Be'er Sheva, Vayelech Charona, and he went to Charon. Right? Even that Pasuk alone, our rabbis tell us, is the story of the Jewish people, particularly 
the story of every individual. It represents the journey of the soul, the journey of the neshama, right? Coming down from heaven. Because if you just look at those two places, Be'er Sheva is where he left, where he went to was Kharana. So Be'er Sheva means the well. A well is always a place of blessing, a place of purity, water. Sheva comes from the word Shavua, the bond, the oath, the pact between the Jew and God. So the Neshama, before it leaves heaven to come down to this body, to come down to the lowly world, is in a place called Be'er Sheva, right? As the Kabbalists explain exactly why it's called Be'er and Sheva and so on. One of the reasons of Sheva, the, the connotation of the word Shavua, which means an oath, is what the Gemara says that before a Neshama comes down to this world, it's quoted in Tanya as well, Mashbiyanois say they, they make the Neshama take an oath. In other words, they saturate the Neshama with extra power, extra power to be able to withstand the journey and the tests that the journey coming down to the body will include, right? Vayelech Charona, and the Neshama goes to Charon. Where's Charon? Charon is, the word Charon means Haroim, anger, place of negativity, which is this world, a place of concealment, a place of confusion. That's where the Neshama, so just as possible, Yetzi Yaakov Eishava, very much um, deals with the Neshama, the journey that the Neshama takes from on high all the way down to the body. More generally, in terms of Klal Yisrael, this is a reference to the journey that they didn't take in Golis. Don't forget, Yaakov was leaving Eretz Yisrael, and he was going into Chorah, right? So, and the Jewish people themselves went through that journey a number of times, particularly this Golis, which is the longest of all. And that's also, Yaakov represents the Jewish nation. By Yetzir Yaakov, Yaakov leaves Be'er Sheva, the place of Israel. By Yelacharon, and he goes to a place of anger, which is the place of Golis. So it's representing the journey of the Yidden in Golis. Now, this journey, as we read in the Psukim, just as we'll read through a few Psukim here, comes with a blessing as well. So let's have a look what the Psukim says. So just the, the Pasig Yud Aleph. Pasuk 11 says, the Pasuk says, Vayifka Bamokim, right, still in number one, but second Pasuk. Vayifka Bamokim, he chanced upon the place, and this is the place of the Temple Mount, Vayolen Shom, and he slept there, Kivo Hashemesh, because the sun was setting. Vayikach Ba'avne Hamokim, he took the stones of the place, Vayosim Rashoisim, and he put them around his head, as we know the story, Vayishka Bamokim, and he lay down in that place. Pasuk Yibay says, Vayacholim, and he, 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 he dreamt, right? There was a ladder firmly rooted on the ground. And its head was reaching heaven. And the angels of God were going up and down. The Mepharshim explained, the Medrash says that the Malachim going up and down is also a symbol of the ups and downs of the Jewish nation. And in that dream, he saw a vision of the four exiles that the Jewish people were going to experience. And what happens in the next Pasuk? The Pasuk in Gimel, it says, V'hine Hashem Nitzav Olav. Hashem is standing. And he says, Ani Hashem, I am God. Elokei Avraham Avicha, I am the God of your father Avraham, Elokei Yitzchak, Haaretz, Asher Atta, Shoychavileo, this land that you are lying on. Lecha et nana ulazarecha, I am giving it to you and to your children. And then he goes on to bless him and he says, You'll go, I'll be with you, I'll protect you. And I'll return you. And then Yaakov wakes up and he, and he promises to God that if he comes back in one piece and he has what to eat and what to, and what to wear and so on and so forth, he will 
give everything of, he will give a tenth of everything that he has to, to, to Hashem. So going back to the bigger picture here, the journey of the Jews to Golis, even though God sent us into Golis, as we know, but each Golis comes with a blessing and comes with a protection that Hashem comes with us and he's, and he's protecting us to be able to withstand the tests, both the physical tests and the spiritual tests, that happen throughout the Golis, and come, with that comes the promise that we will return properly through Mashiach, we'll return back to Eretz Yisrael with the Beis Hamikdash, and so on and so forth. So, in that context, what I want to do, I want to share with you a number of things in the Parsha, and learn them in that context. Learn them in the context of the journey that we take, either generally the Neshama coming down to the body, specifically, uh, generally, or the specific journey that we're in Golis and waiting for Mashiach and what, what that all means. I'll, I'll share with you a couple of short things and then a couple of one, one or two longer things. So, one example of this whole idea is something that Barditshava Rebbe says, the Kedusha Slevi. Having a look at the Pasuk again, um, here we are, this one. What is it? Here we are. Pasuk Yud Aleph, 11. It says he, he came upon the place. He slept there. And then it says, in the, he, um, he took from the stones of the place. And he slept there. Right? Stones, this comes from a very early Kabbalah sefer called the Sefer Yitzira. Stones represent letters. It says in Sefer Yitzira that every stone is like another letter. If you put a few stones together, you, like you create a bit of a building, that's the word. If you put a few words together, you create a whole building, and so on. So often, the stones in, in the Chumash, in Tanakh, is an imagery of words, of words. What kind of words? He says, so it says like this, so what did Yaakov do? He took me'avne hamokoim. He took words, again, stone meaning words, hamokoim, of Hashem. You know, sometimes we refer to Hashem as hamokoim. Like when we comfort someone when they're mourning, God forbid. We say, which means God should comfort you, right? The reason is because one of the names of Hashem is Mokka in place because he, he incorporates the entire place of the world. He fills the world, right? So it says, he took the words of Hashem to protect himself by Yosem Merashoisov and he put them around his head. Which means he put them at the forefront of his thought. In other words, a yid that is going into Golos, a yid that is in an environment which isn't spiritually safe. How do we protect ourselves? We have to take the words of Torah, the words of Tefillah, and put them in the forefront of our consciousness, put them in the forefront of our thought. That's the protection. And then it says in the Pasuk, says about Ditcha, a very beautiful thing, it says, Vayishkav, and he lay down. It says, what's Vayishkav? He says, Vayesh Chofbeis. There are 22 letters of the alphabet. You've got to take the 22 letters of Torah, 22 letters of Tefillah, and put them in the forefront of our mind, and that's how we survive. Right? That's very beautiful. Vayishkav is yesh, v'yesh chafbeiz. These 22 letters of the alphabet, as we know, and these are the 22 letters with which Hashem created the world, the 22 letters of the Torah, and that's what we've got to put in the forefront of our consciousness, and that's how we survive. Okay. Another interesting idea is from the Shemi Shmuel, the Sochot Shavir Rebbe. The Sochot Shavir Rebbe says, a famous idea. In fact, let's learn the Rashi. 
you look at number three, right? We'll come back to this Rashi a little bit later, but... Um, yeah, put it, put it number three. So, Yosim Rashoisov, right? He put the stones around his head. So, it says Rashi, Oson Kamin Marzev, Sovodroshe, made like a little fence around his head. Because Yaakov was afraid of the wild animals. Okay, a separate question. What does that mean? I mean, if he was scared of the wild animals, putting stones around your head isn't going to help much. But anyway, okay, we'll come back to that. Then it says, Rashi quotes a very famous medrash. The stones began to quarrel with each other. The one says, on me the tzaddik will put his head. And the other stone says, no, on me the tzaddik will put his head. What does Hashem do? Hashem puts it, He made them all into one stone. And this is what it says in the Pasuk. When Yaakov woke up, it says he took the stone. But when he went to sleep, it says he put stones around his head. When he woke up, it says he took the stone and he made it into a monument, right? And that's what it says in the Pasuk. By Yikach Esho Even, he took the stone by Yosem Merashoisav, and Asher Somers Merashoisav, that he had put around his head. Meaning, that there was 12 stones, but it became one. How many stones were there? There were 12 stones. Says Hashem Ishmuel, what's the whole idea here? So what Yaakov was doing here is a fascinating thing. He was actually establishing the foundation of Klal Yisrael. Right? Because there's a medrash that Yaakov was something unique. Yaakov, we have three fathers. Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov. But Avram says the medrash didn't have 12 tribes. Avram had Yitzchak, but he also had Yishmael. And Yishmael went off the chart, right? Off the, off the map of Klal Yisrael. Yitzchak had Yaakov, but he had also Esau. Yaakov was very special in that all his children were tzaddikim and Yaakov essentially established the family of Klal Yisrael. He established the 12 tribes. But in order to establish, because why? Because it says that Yaakov was mitosoi shlema. His bed was complete, meaning all his entire household was pure. Tzaddikim, righteous. But there were 12 of them. Why? So when Yaakov lays down and he knows that he's on the way, right? He's on the way to Lovat. And in love, and that's when he's going to give birth to the 12 tribes. He's going to be, in fact, in this journey, in this journey to Choron, he established the Jewish family, he established the 12 tribes. So he wants to lay the foundation of how it's going to work. How's it going to work? It's going to, it needs to be that the Klal Yisrael have to be united. But unity does not mean that they should all think alike and they should all be the same. Unity means that there's going to be 12 tribes. Twelve tribes mean that everyone is going to have a different perspective, a different way. All the same Torah, the same Hashem, the same Torah mitzvahs, but a little bit different. Every way, every, every, every tribe will have a different slant, a different angle on how they serve Hashem. Which of course is hinted in the Rashi, that they, they quarrel with each other. Right? Because this one says, The tzaddik will lay on me. Meaning I'm the one that knows the way to serve Hashem. The other one will say, no. Our derech, our way is the way we serve Hashem, right? What does Hashem do? Makes them one stone. Starts off with 12, makes them one stone. What is, what is Yaakov doing there? He's explaining the following, that there needs to be 12 tribes. The way Hashem created the world is that there's differences. There has to be differences. And in fact, in the very fabric of Pali Yisrael, although we start off with three fathers, but we are different tribes. There's Ruvain, there's Shema, and Levi, Yehuda, they all stand for something different. But yet what we have to understand is, that although we, all, we, although we are 12 tribes, but we... 
are focused on the same thing. With the same fathers, with the same focus, and it becomes one stone. That's 12 tribes that become one stone. It's not one stone to begin with. That's not a good idea. It's 12 tribes that become one. And that's how Claudius Shol has to work. Right? We, we forget that sometimes. We, we, we sometimes think the differences are no good, right? We have to remember, no. As long as we're all within the same system, as long as we believe in the same things, which are the 13 principles of faith, and we believe in Hashem's Torah and Hashem's Mitzvahs, and we keep basically the same. No, so we have different ways, different perspectives. That's fine. That's a good thing. And we can respect each other, and we should respect each other. We should be united with each other because we are all one, essentially, and that's the permanent structure, the permanent monument that Yaakov Avinu made when he got up. He made that, he made that, uh, um, that, that stone to be a monument, and that, that's what he was establishing, that power, to be different but to be one, to be 12 tribes but to essentially be one monument. Okay. <clears throat> I'll just share with you before I go on, there's two, two things which, which are longer. I'm going to share with you something that the Koshnitsa Magid says in a sefer called Avoidas Yisro. And he, he comments on this passage of here. I'm just going to show you. Have a look at number two in, in, in the handout. It says there, Yaakov got up from his sleep. And he said, Behold, there's Hashem Bamokem in this place. I didn't even know. And he was afraid and he said, How awesome is this place? This must be the place, the house of God. And this is the gateway to heaven. What is Yaakov afraid of? What, 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 what was going on there? So going back to what we said before, when Yaakov had the dream, he says, we learn in the Medrash that Yaakov saw the four exiles, right? There's four exiles, we know it's a concept called Dalit Goliath, the exile of Bovel, the exile of, of Persia, the exile of, of, of Greece, the exile of Edom, which is, which is, which is uh, our exile, right? And he saw the destruction that will take place after each one. He saw the destruction of the first Pesach Migdash, the second Pesach Migdash. And uh, he also saw ultimately the third base of English, right? But he saw the third base of English is going to take a very long time. Because according to the Medrash, he saw in his dream, he saw the four exiles, but he also got a prophecy of how long each exile would, would last. For example, he was shown the prophecy of the Golis Bovel, the Babylonian exile, and he saw that it was going to last 70 years. Okay? Greece, Persia, the same thing. When he saw Golis Edom, he saw there's no end to this. It's like, what's, what's, what's going on? Ultimately, Hashem says to him, no, 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 the... What will follow this exile will be amazing. It will be the third base of Mikdash. So with this, the Koshet Magdi explains the Pasuk. It says, He was very afraid. Yaakov was very afraid. He saw the, he saw the destruction. He saw the first Pesach Mikdash being destroyed. The second Pesach Mikdash being destroyed. So he says this is a very scary concept. A very scary journey. But then he was comforted. Why was he comforted? So we just need to explain one thing. The Gemara says like this. We find that the Temple Mount in in, uh, in Chumash, it has three references. One time it's called Ehara Mountain. That's when Avram Avinu referred to it as a mountain. He took Yitzchak for the Akedah. The second time it's called a field. When Yitzchak, when Rivka was coming back, it says Yitzchak went out to Daven in the field, and this was the same place. All right. And Yaakov called it a house, a base. And the Chazal say it's a reference to the three temples, the three Bote Mikdash. First one corresponds to Abraham, which is called the Har, a mountain. 
Second one corresponds to Yitzchak, called a field. And the third corresponds to Yaakov, which is called a high bias, a house. And that's like a permanent thing that we make, a house, and it's there to stay. It's there for Hashem to live in. Right? So have a look at the Pasuk again. Go to Pasuk Yitzai in, in, in section 2. This is how the Koshin Simagli explains the Pasuk. He says, Vayiro Vayoymar, he was afraid, and he said, This is so awesome and so scary. He's seeing the fourth goddess and he's seeing it so long and it's after the destruction of the first temple and the second temple. But he says, Ein zeh. You know what it's all for? It's all for Ki'im Beis Elohim. It's for the house of Hashem. What's the house of Hashem? The third base of English. The one that he called the house. The Yaakov one. He says, I know what this is all leading to. That's why I'm comforted. I know it's all leading ultimately to the third base of English. Which is called Bais, it's called the house, which is Shara Shamayim, and this is the gate to heaven. This is the ultimate redemption that will take place with the building of the third base of English. Okay. Good. Now, those are just a couple of ideas where you really see that this story is not just a story of Yaakov running away from Esau going to Haran, but really it's the story of the Jewish people. Now, I'm going to share with you an idea of what took place when Yaakov lay down to sleep, right? In, um, in the Beis HaMikdosh, in, in, in a temple mount. And what actually was going on here behind the scenes on a spiritual level? I'm going to share with you this part. comes from um, Shvile Pinchas. I've shared stuff with you before. Um, Pinchas Friedman, who writes a, a, a journal every Shabbos. Amazing stuff he puts together. I'm going to share with you some of what he says. He starts like this. He says, first of all, it's a fascinating medrash. If you look over here in the Pasigit Aleph in section one, it says, Vayifka bamokim, he chanced upon the place. Came back to the place and Hashem made him sleep there because Hashem made the sun set prematurely. According to the medrash, actually what happened was as follows. It says, Yaakov left Be'eshav and he went to Choron. According to the medrash, he actually reached Choron. As he was reaching Choron, he realized he didn't daven in preparation. He didn't daven in preparation for this mission. And he didn't daven at the same spot where his father and grandfather had davened. Right? Which is Temple Mount. So he went back. And Hashem made him go back quickly and he was able to get there quickly. And he davened. Then he was going to leave and Hashem decided to make the sun set so he should sleep there. Then it says, if you turn over the page... It says a few things. It says, first of all, first of all, it says that Vayishka Bamokoimahu. He slept there, right? Have a look at number five. Actually, we need number five now and a bit later as well, but we'll just do the first part of number five. It says, Vayishka Bamokoimahu. He slept there. He lay down. So Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Nechemi, Rabbi Yehuda and Nechemi both make a comment. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says like this. That Khan Shachab, over here he lay down. I will call you Dalit Shana, but all 14 years. Shahoyot Tomun Beves Ever, Loi Shachab. It says that when Yaakov came to the Temple Mount, he laid down. And Rashi brings this also. It was the first time in 14 years that he laid down. Why? What was Yaakov doing for 14 years before? We forgot to mention at the beginning. You know the famous idea that when Yaakov left his father's house, he didn't go straight to Haran. 
Because he knew it was, a tough, it was a tough mission. He went to yeshiva for 14 years first. He went to the yeshiva of Shem Ve'evra to learn before he would go to Chara. Right? Says Rashi, he didn't, he, he didn't, he didn't um, when he was there, he didn't lie down. He didn't go to sleep. So when he came now to the place of Davin and he went, laid down and he went to sleep, this is the first time he went to sleep. It was the first time he laid down in 14 years. Okay, we'll see what the significance of that is at the moment. The other thing he points out is, this idea that Yaakov laid down there, and what did he do? We learned it before. He took 12 stones and put them around his head. Correct? Put them around his head. Why? Says Rashi, because he was scared of wild animals. Now, anyone knows if you're lying down in, in, a, in, a, in a jungle and you want to protect yourself wild animals, putting stones around your head is not going to help. The lion can eat your heart if he, if he needs to. Right? So it's not going to help. So what was that all about? So he says like this. He says, first of all, he brings a Hassam Soifer. Hassam Soifer asks a very important question. What does it mean that for 14 years he didn't sleep? We know it's not possible. Of course you have to sleep. The Gemara says that it's not possible for a person to go three days without sleeping. Right? So much so that if a person makes a promise, he makes an oath, says the Gemara, that he's not going to sleep for more than three days, he's guilty of making a false oath, he gets lashes, and he can go to sleep right away. Because it's null and void. It doesn't make any sense. So what does he mean he didn't sleep for seven days, for 14 years? What does that mean? Right? So it says, obviously, it means something different. It means that he didn't go to sleep horizontally. He didn't lay down to go to sleep, right? 14, 14 years. But whenever he needed to sleep, he... He, uh, uh, slept on yeah, that's right. He, he, as I say in Yiddish, it's eingedremelt. He, he, uh, he fell asleep, right? Whenever he needed to sleep. Suddenly he comes, suddenly he comes to the base of Mikdash. He knows it's a holy place. He davens Mariv there. He knows it's a holy place. Maybe he didn't realize how holy because Leila Hashem reveals to him, but he knew it was a holy place because that was the place that Avram had davened and Yitzchak had davened. And here he decides to lie down. Right? Why do the same? Why don't you just sit or stand and just doze off? Here he lies down. Says the Hamstam Soifer. Why? Because he wanted to, listen to what he says, he wanted to lie down at the same place that Yitzchak had laid down by the Akedah. Because this was the same spot Yitzchak was on the Akedah, Pashas Vayera. What happened when Yaakov, when Avraham Avinu was going to offer a Yitzchak on the Akedah? Right? He, uh, Avraham Avinu built a Mizbech and he took Yitzchak and he bound, he put him horizontal on the Mizbech. So he wanted us lay down in the same spot that Yitzchak was lying there. Right? Now, just to give you a bit of context of how important this place was to understand what, was, what, is, what is going on here. This place, the base, the Pen- Temple Mount that we have, I mean, Temple Mounts today, we know where the Temple Mount is, right? Especially the place of the Mizbeach, where Yaakov, where Yitzchak had the Akedah, is a very holy spot, and it goes back all the way to Adam Arisha. Let's have a look at a Rambam. Have a look at number four. Okay, says the Rambam. Umesoyres, number four. 
Umasoiris biyad hakoil, says the Rama. It's a tradition that everyone has. Shehamokoim shabona ben David ushlema mizbeach. The place where David and Shlomo built the Mizbeach, he says David and Shlomo, because actually David laid the plans and Shlomo actually built it. This was Begoyer and Aravna, this is the barn of Aravna, right? I don't know if you know the history. When David Amelech wanted the Beis Amigdash to be built in Yerushalayim, the Temple Mount belonged to a Yebusite called Aravna. David Amelech built that, bought that spot from him, and that's where the place of the Mizbeach became, right? That spot where they built the Mizbeach, says the Rambam, that's the place where Avram built the Mizbeach, the Okad Olav Yitzchak. And Yitzchak, and he made Yitzchak the Akedah there. Right? Not only that, says the Rambam, that's the place Noyach was built from. Uh, uh, that's the place that Noyach built. It says that when Noyach came out, right, he built a Mizbeach and he brought a Korban. That's where it was. That's also the Mizbeach, Shikra Olaf Kain Vehevel, going even earlier. When Kain and Hevel were created, the, the sons of Adam Arishon, they built a Mizbeach and they brought a Korban. Kain's was rejected and Hevel's was accepted. Where was it? On the Temple Mount, at the same spot of the Mizbeach. The boy, Hikri, Adam Arishon, Korban, Kishanivra. And that says the Rambam is a place where Adam Arishon built a Mizbeach when he was created. Apparently, when Adam Arishon was, was created, he built a Mizbeach to make a sacrifice to, to Hashem. Not only that, says the Rambam, listen to this. Umisham Nivra. Adam Arishan didn't only build a Mizbech there, but he was created from that spot. What does that mean? How did Hashem create Adam? He took dust, took clay, earth, fashioned it into a shape of a human being, and then blew in a Neshama, right? Where did that earth come from, according to this Rambam? From that spot, the spot of the Mizbech, same spot. Omru Chachamim. The Chachamim tell us. Man was created from the very place that he gets atonement from. Because the Mizbech is a place of atonement. In case you do anything wrong. The person was built from the place of atonement. Meaning the person was created from the very spot that in case we mess up because we're designed to make mistakes after all. We are created from the spot that brings atonement. Okay. So that's, that's, that's the spot. Okay. See, now I'm, I'm taking on a bit of a journey here. So let's just summarize so far. It's, uh, Yaakov is there. He hasn't laid down for 14 years. He now lays down. He knows there's a spot where Yitzchak had laid down. He wants to lay down. But it's not just Yitzchak. It's a place that goes all the way back to Adam Arishon, to the point where the spot where he built, laid down is the spot where Hashem took the earth to fashion to create Adam Arishon. Yeah? However, this contradicts something that says in the Gomorrah Sanhedrin. What's that? Gomorrah Sanhedrin says that actually Odomarishan, the clay, the earth that was used to create Odomarishan actually came from the entire world. Right? And it says like this His body came from earth from Bovel, his head. From Eretz Yisrael. His limbs from other countries of the world. Okay. Says Rashi, the body was from Bovel, that's a special place, Bovel. The head, which is the most important, came from Eretz Yisrael, which is the most important, and the other limbs came from other places. So, the Marshaw explains one of the, one of the so here we see only the head, right? Not his whole being. 
It's not such a big problem because the Maharsha, one of the great commentaries in the Shas, explains the following. He says, what is the head? The head is the main part of the person, right? In fact, we learn the head is also the seat of what? The seat of the neshama. Right? The godly soul resides in the brain. It travels to the heart and the other parts of the body, but its main focus is in the brain. That's where we connect to Hashem. That's where we understand Hashem. That's where we think about Hashem. That's where the nefesh alakis, the godly soul, mainly headquarters is in, is in the head. Right? And that's the part, the head, which houses the neshama, is the part of Adam Arishim, which was created from the place of the Mizbech. Taka, not the whole Adam Arishim, but the head was. Which is why the Marshal says, that's why we have a special level of Chochmah, because it says in the Gemara that the, earth, the atmosphere of Eretz Yisrael makes a person wise. So the ability to understand Torah, the ability to learn, the ability to understand Hashem, to connect to Hashem, is all because the head that we have, which houses the Neshama, was taken Taka from the place of the Mizbech. Right? So that now, we need to put that together with the Rambam. The Rambam says Adam Rishon was created from the place of the Mizbech, which looks like the whole of Adam Rishon. The Gemara says only the head. So it's not such a problem. We know that the Gemara also tells us elsewhere that Bosa Resha Gufa Ozen. The whole body follows the head. In other words, the, the head is the main part of the person, right? So therefore, when, when Rambam says that Adam Rishon was created from the Mizbech, it means the head. And even though different parts of him were taken from different places, but it's as if every part of Adam Arishan was taka created by the head. And we're going to see what the significance of that is in a moment. Because it's really the head that we're going to focus on in just a moment. Now, you with me so far? Yeah, okay. There's another fascinating medrash. It goes like this. It says that when Yaakov Avinu left, the Medrash says, where was he going? He was going into exile. And the Medrash connects this with an exile that we find in the Torah. Where does it talk about in the Torah a concept of a person being exiled? Do you know? There's a punishment. There's a punishment called exile in the Torah. What's it for? You know, that later the whole, the whole nation went to Babylon. I'm saying in the Torah, there's a concept that if someone does something wrong, they have to go into exile. The city's of refuge, correct. So it says, right, that Yaakov was afraid that he needs to atone for this concept of murder, Right? So he ran into Haran, similar to the person running into the cities of exile. Yeah? He was worried that Asa was going to kill him, but Asa didn't kill him. He only had to go into exile, which is an atonement for inadvertent murder. Right? In the Torah, when you go into exile, you go in for inadvertent murder. And that's the concept of Yaakov going into exile. It's a similar idea of a person who goes into exile to atone for makay nefesh, for inadvertent murder. Right? So the obvious question is, what exactly is Yaakov atoning for? Or is Yaakov, when did he murder? What is that? What, what's going on? Right? So we know like this. We know the Gemara tells us, and the Zoya brings it down as well, 
that Yaakov was similar and he was a Gilgul of and he was the Tikkun of the rectification of Adam Harishan. Right? The Gemara says, Shufre the Yaakov Me'en Shufre the Adam. The beauty of Yaakov was similar to the beauty of Adam Harishan. Kabbalistically, it's explained in the following way that just like Adam Harishan contained within himself all the souls of all the Jewish people that it was ever going to happen, Yaakov Avinu also was that Neshama Kali, that general soul, which became the ultimate source of the Jewish people. Now, of course, Yaakov comes from Yitzchak, Yitzchak comes from Avram, but in, in Yaakov itself was this concept that Yaakov was there to rectify and to emulate and to repeat everything that had happened to Adam Arishan. Yeah? What happened to Adam Arishan? Adam Arishan was created, he was the most holiest person created by the handiwork of Hashem. But after a few hours, he committed a sin. Yeah? Now Rizal explains what happened with that sin, as we know. So of course, he was punished. He was sent out of Gan Eden. Uh, all, the, all the other consequences that happened, he brought, in, introduced impurity into the world. But one of the consequences, right? One of the consequences of Adam Arishan's sin, even though he didn't intend to do this, of course, we know was the concept of death. The concept of Misa, the concept of death was introduced into the world. The idea was that people were going to live forever. And when Adam Arishan sinned with the Chet of Eitz Hadas, the idea of death was introduced into the world, which will continue until Mashiach comes. After Mashiach comes, we have a pasuk, Ubila Hamovis Lenetzach, that death will be swallowed up. We'll go back to that original state and even higher, which is the ultimate purpose where death will no longer be. But the concept of death was, was, was introduced into the world with other Marisha. With that, we understand what's going on now with Yaakov running away to Golis. Just because what happens is, other Mauritian sins, right? And from there begins a process of tikkun, of rectifying the sin, which happened with other Mauritian himself, the tshuva, but it wasn't that simple. It's taken time. Even nowadays, we're still busy on this tikkun, but it, 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 it happened through Avraham. Avraham had to go and build a Mizbech in the same place that other Mauritian was created. Yitzchak was there in the Akeda, and then comes along Yaakov. And Yaakov wants to achieve this proper rectification because Yaakov is the fixer of Adam Arishan. He fixes Adam Arishan, right? So therefore Yaakov has to do a tikkun. Yaakov has to really, has to really fix what Adam Arishan messed up on. Yeah? So what happens? What happens is Yaakov Avinu lays down in the spot where Yitzchak laid, where, where Avram was, but most importantly, where Adam Arishan was created. But what part of Adam Arishan? The head. Right? The head. The head was created from the place of the Mizbeach, the very spot where Yaakov lies down. He lies down to connect to Yitzchak, to connect to Avram Avinu, and to fix Adam Arishan. Adam Arishan was created from the Mizbeach. Adam Arishan's head was created from the place of the Mizbeach. But let's now understand what happened when Adam Arishan sinned. 
What part of Adam Arishan sinned? What part was mostly involved in the sin of Adam and Chava? The head. Why? Because it says, comes along the Nochash, right? And tries to entice Chava and Adam Arishan. Chava sees with the head. She sees that the fruit is delicious. That it was good to eat. She gives it to, she wakes up Adam Arishan, he sees that it's delicious, he eats it. It's all got to do with the, the, with the organs of the head, with the senses of the head, and then by Yishma, then they hear Hashem. And the truth is, that's why it, it works with most things that are done wrong. Most things that are done wrong all have to do with what we see and what we understand and what we, what we taste and what we hear and all those things, all the organs of the head. Right? So comes Yaakov Avinu. And he wants to create a tikkun. He wants to create a very, very big rectification for the sin of Adam Arishan. For 14 years he hasn't laid down, but now he needs to lay down. He needs to lay down to follow on the journey from the, all, the, the, all the people that came there. And he has to finish off the rectification of the sin. So he lies down in the same place that Yitzchak laid down. And what does he do? He fixes the head. He protects the head. He takes stones, we said before, stones are a representation of the words of Torah and Tefillah, and he creates a protection for the head. Yaakov says, I'm now going into Choron. Choron is a place of spiritual danger. I need to make sure, how do I fix the, 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 the Averis? How do I fix the wrongdoings of Adam and Chava by not doing what they did? They, they transgressed with their head. They saw, they tasted, they, did, they understood they made a wrong decision, all with the head. From the very, even though they were standing at the very place that they were created, I'm on this place where Adam Arishan's head was created, I need to fix the head. And I need to make sure that I don't make the same mistake when I go into Choron. How am I going to make, how am I not going to make the same mistake? How am I going to protect myself spiritually? The main thing is the protection of the head. Because the head is the source of the rest of the body. So he puts stones around his head. Not because he was worried about lions and tigers. Because that wasn't going to help him anyways. He was protecting the head, meaning that's the most, spiritually speaking, that's the part of us that needs the most protection. And by doing that, because he was the replacement of Adam Arishan, because he, his beauty was the beauty of Adam Arishan, his neshama was the same neshama as Adam Arishan, that general neshama of all Jewish people, by doing that he's instilling the ability for us to protect our head, and therefore to protect ourselves spiritually, and therefore to finally fix the Avera that Adam Arishan did with his head, which was now being fixed and protected by Yaakov Avinu laying down in the exactly same spot that Adam Arishan's head was actually created. Clear? Yeah? And that's why it says afterwards that Yaakov Avinu took the stone that he had put to protect his head he made it into a monument and he poured oil over it. And he made it into an eternal monument, a matseva. Matseva means something to stay there permanently. Why? Because that's the idea. The idea is that him protecting his head wasn't just to protect his own head. It was the tick on the rectification of Adam Rishon's head which was making, but not only him. We all have to do it. We all have to keep doing it until Mashiach comes. And he was putting it there as a permanent monument, giving us the ability to protect our head. That's why that stone was put there as a monument to last for all times. Okay. So that's a bit of an understanding of what was going on there. 
Yaakov lays down and he puts a stone and the stones around his head and he makes a monument out of it. It's all about the journey of Tal Yisrael and what we have to do in that journey. To finish that off, I want to share with you talking about what the head then has to be able to do, right? I'll share with you another explanation that the Lubavitcher Rebbe gives in one of his talks. Going back, look at, look at it again, going back to the, to the uh, number five. Right? Uh, yeah, sure. Soul lives in the head. No, soul expressed through the heart. The godly soul starts from the head. The whole, the whole, the animal soul lives in the heart because it's impulsive. The, 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 no, it's not so. We always think about the, the head, the soul, the heart. We always think about soul as being a heart thing. The soul is about a godly thing. It's about godly values. It's about godly connection, which we express and we implement through the head. We understand the values. We make decisions through that. And it starts with the head. Obviously, the idea is to inspire the heart, which we're going to talk about in a second. When it starts with the head, it's a whole, it's a whole other heart. Now we're going to talk about the heart, actually. But, but the, the way the head works will change the way the heart works. And then everything else follows from there. Let's have a look. You'll see in a second. No, but it starts with the head. Wise heart means, again, wise heart means starts with the wise, wisdom. That's the idea. You need the, you need the heart, but it's got to start from the head. That's the concept. Yes, of course, exactly, exactly right. Same, same point, yeah. Let's have a look at number five again. So, so Rabbi Yehuda Ram Nechemia. Okay. So Rabbi Yehuda Ram Rabbi says, Kan Shachav, over here he laid down, I will call you Dalat Shon, all the 14 years, show you Tom and Vase Aver that he was in Yeshiva. Loi Shachav, he didn't lay down, which you, which you said. Now comes the next part of the Medrash. Rabbi Nechemia, Omer Rabbi Nechemia says, Kan Shachav, here he laid down. But all the 20 years that he was in the house of Lovon, when he was by Lovon, he also couldn't sleep properly. He had to be alert the whole time. Says the Medrash, What did he say? What did he do when he was in Lovon's house? Now, that's a very funny question. What did he do? We know what he did. He worked very hard day and night to take care of Lovon's sheep. Right? But the question is a deeper question. Question the Medrash is saying, what did he say? What did he daven? What did he do to stay protected spiritually? How did he survive the house of Lava? So look what he says here. Rabbi Shur ben Levi, Amr Rabbi Shur ben Levi, says, Tesvav Shir Hamalos. Yaakov used to recite the 15 chapters of Tehillim which begin with the words, Shir Hamalos. Right, you know there's 15 Shir Hamalos, right? It's chapter 120 to 134. Yeah. Okay, later, later the Medrash says, Rabbi Shmuel says, said the whole Tilim. But according to one opinion, he would, every night he would recite the 15 chapters of Shira Malas. I'm not sure exactly what that means. If someone asked me a few days ago, what does that mean? Shira Malas hadn't been written yet. Dovid Amelach composed the Tilim. But we know the, the Ovois had an insight of what was going to be revealed in Torah later. And they had some sort of connection with it. It's exactly the same words. Not the same words, I don't know. But it's the, it's the idea of the 15 Shira Malas. So the question is, why these 15 chapters? What's the significance of the 15 chapters of Shira Malus? So the Chidor writes, I'm just going to stop, I don't need to show anymore. One second. Right? The Chidor writes like this. The Chidor writes, the number 15 is very significant because 
the Avos, Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov overlapped for 15 years. You realize? We know that Avraham Avinu passed away when Yaakov turned 15. We know that because Avraham Avinu was 175. There's a whole cheshma, whole calculation. If you make it, you'll see that Avraham Avinu passed away when Yitzchak, Yaakov was 15. So therefore, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov lived together for 15 years. Right? So the significance of, on a very basic level, the significance of Shira Malois, you know, Yaakov, how did he survive during, during, the 50, during the 20 long, hard years in Lovan's house? By evoking the merit of his forefathers. So in other words, the schus, the strength, the spiritual strength of Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, in other words, his father, his grandfather, and his own schus, that's how he managed to survive, by saying the Shira Malois. What does that mean? So we know a couple of things. First of all, it's explained in many places that the only way to survive spiritually, we know we've talked about this many, many times, that the three primary emotions of a person, the three primary personalities of a person is chesed, gvura, and tiferes. Yeah? And the only way to stay connected spiritually is to use all three. In other words, if we only use one, if we only use chesed, if we only use gvura, etc., there always comes a time that we are threatened on a different way and we, and we, and we fail. A true yid, a true person that serves Hashem means that he has to be able to be ready to serve Hashem with whatever resource is necessary. Right? Because every attack spiritually, every campaign spiritually that we make is going to need components of kindness, going to need components of strength, any components of, of mercy, which is Tiferes, it's going to need everything. So that's what it means that I've Yaakov, right? That Yaakov survived in the house of Lovon because he brought together Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Avram is Chesed, as we know, Yitzchak is Gvura, Yaakov is Tiferes. So by Yaakov saying the Shira Malas, the 15 Shira Malas, Every night, meaning bringing together the 15 years of Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov together, bringing together Chesed, Gvura, and Tiferes in one, that's how he stayed strong and that's how he was able to survive spiritually the years at Lama. What's the, what's the significance of number 15? Everything's exact. Right? What's it, so why 15? Okay, so why... In other words, we understand it's about Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov together, but the very fact that they coexisted for 15 years, what's the idea of 15? What's the significance? So we know that Hashem's name, right? Hashem's holy name is Yud and Hey and Vav and Hey. So Yud and Hey is the first two letters of Hashem's name, which is 15, the Gematria of 15, which in itself is the name of Hashem. But it goes more than that, right? It's, it's the name of holiness. But it's much more than that. It's much more than that in that. We know that the four names, the four letters of Hashem's name represent the ten powers of the soul. So we know that Yud represents Chochmah. I'm not going to go into now why, but Yud represents Chochmah because it's a point, it's a, it's a, a point of, of intellectual conception. He represents Bina. Vav is the six middos of Chesed, Vura, Tiferes, Netzach, Six emotions. And then the last He is the final one, the one of Malchus, as we've explained a lot. That's the feminine, that's the one that receives everything. And, and, and applies the idea of communication and the idea of application the idea of leadership and so on therefore what do we find from there that Yud and Hay that's Chochmah and Bina that's the head 
going back to what we said before, the head has to be protected. Because how do we actually bring together chesed, gvur, and difference, right? That goes to your heart question. How do we make sure that our emotional responses are there and they're strong, but they work well? And they're not impulsive and they're making the right decisions. And that they can come together. How do we make sure that we can make the decisions where we, when, when we need to, we can use chesed, when we need to we can use gvura, when we need to, we can put them both together at the Ferris. How do we do that? Most of us don't have a personality like that. Most of us impulsively only want to do one or the other. We can only do that through the yud and the hay if our head is right. If our head is thinking correctly, if our head is thinking the right things, if our head is focused and connected to Hashem, when we have the Yud and the Hay together, the Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov together, the Yud and the Hay, the 15th, that's when Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov come together. That's when we can have Chesed, Gvur, Antiferes together. That's when the heart will work properly. And that's when we can have Chesed, Gvur, Antiferes, the personalities can all come together. But it starts with the Yud and the Hay, it starts with Chochmah and Bin. And that's the idea of... Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. That, that's the idea of, 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 of the 15 Shira Malas. That's why Avram of Yaakov is Chesed, Gvur, and Tiferes overlapping for 15 years because 15 is how it all happens because 15 is U and A. It's the idea of intellect, the idea of the head, and that's how a person can make it work. The last thing is, what are we talking about the 15 what? He said the 15 Shira Malas. Shira Malas is a song because the other part of the formula is not only the head has to be okay, but there has to be simcha. There has to be joy. How did Yaakov manage in the years of Lavan? Because he sang Shira Malas. He did it through simcha. He did it through joy. Even though it was difficult. But when a person has joy and a person has confidence and he has belief in Hashem and notwithstanding the challenge and notwithstanding the difficulties he can overcome it and he can make it happen that joy itself as we know Chazal tell us that simcha pirates together. Simcha breaks all boundaries and it's that simcha and that belief in Hashem and the and the protection of the head that brings the chesed, gvura, tiferes all together make, gives us the ability to overcome all the obstacles and allows us to survive in the house of Lovan. Which again, going back to the whole beginning, is not just Yaakov's story, it's the story of all of us. That's why we go out into the world and we have our challenges and we have the things that threaten us spiritually, we have to be able to respond with whatever Hashem wants us to do, whether it's chesed, whether it's gvura, whether it's tiferes. How do we do that? By learning, understanding what we need to do, by revisiting our values, by learning Torah and filling our head with the way Hashem looks at the world and with simcha and the right optimism and belief we can do what Yaakov did overcome the golos of Haran the years of Lavan and eventually do what Yaakov did which is to return to Eretz Yisrael to go back and as we will when Mitzvah Mashiach comes very very soon alright